Hey guys, Steve here, Potent Ponics. Today we're gonna to talk about gr 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 growing with fishes. Growing with fishes. Looks like uh, uh, Tanner Stewart's joined us. Appreciate it. Uh, Bain Howard's joined us. Waiting on uh, Dylan here. Let me make sure he's got his link. I think we still have a few minutes. Uh, Marty, do you want to run a giveaway here for uh, Mammoth P or uh, yeah, do a Mammoth P Mammoth giveaway? P? All right, sure. Anybody who wants Mammoth P, shout out in the chat. Yeah, it was great to talk to Murray for a little bit. I guess it's always a lot of fun to talk to. Nobody wants Mammoth Pete, huh? Oh, you're probably not cut off the live yet. You got to remember there's a delay. Yeah, I forget. I, forget. I forget. How's uh, Stuart Farms over there? Pretty good, man. We're, uh, hey, why don't you? Why don't you introduce yourself here while we're we're getting everything sorted here? All right, on. I'm uh, on. I'm Tanner Stewart, uh, founder of uh, Stewart Farms, a uh, uh, soon to be vertical but currently uh, single layer uh, aquaponically driven farm. Uh, we're on the uh, far east coast here. I can give you a visual aid here. This is New Brunswick on the east coast of Maine, or sorry, uh, just, just north of Maine on the far east coast. This is our big, huge building, which we are not at all barely in. <laughs> we, we've developed 10,000 square feet of the uh, facility so far. But here, I, 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 I got, got a map ready. See? So here's where we are. This is Maine. We're six hours north of Boston on the I-95. And I can zoom right in. I don't know if you guys see a leg on your end. Oh, here. Oh, I'm going the wrong way. There we go. There we go. So this is our four-phase project here. And this gives a the representation of how much of that building that we're actually in. So it's actually this, this little area right here that I'm running my mouse on. We're, we're in our first phase is about 10,000 square feet. Of our entire facility. So we're moving our, we got our tilapia in the system right now. We're using tilapia, um, black Nile tilapia specifically. And uh, yeah, that was an adventure getting the, getting the fish in the farm, but no, things are going good. You know, we just took down our first two crops, uh, Steve, Steve and Murray, since we got licensed. That's just in the last two weeks, actually, because we got licensed April 13th. So we brought down uh, Mandelbrot's Royal and uh, Girl Scout, uh, Girl Scout cookies, and uh, they're looking good, smelling good. We got a big outdoor crop we're bringing down here right now, but it's uh, it's getting cold here on the east coast, and we're getting some uh, some some of these phenos might not make it. Alrighty, um, Bane, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? Yeah, sure thing. I'm a little bit quiet. I'm not sure. Oh, can you hear me now? Yep. Hey, guys. Uh, 
Shane Howard of Vertica Farms, located out here in the small town of Quorum, Oklahoma. We're just a little ways south of Muskogee, if anybody knows where that one is. Uh, we operate about 20,000 square feet of facility between two separate buildings. Uh, doing, we have both of those are hybrid greenhouses, so poly sides and tops. Uh, we're running deep water culture aquaponics in one of them, and then the second one, we're working on bringing aquaponics online up there. Currently, it's being fed with a uh, irrigated with our aquaponic water off that DWC, but we're working on that's the big project right now is shifting that more and more towards aquaponic. Uh, All right. Hopefully, that shifts the view so everybody can see it. Going to do the whole uh, Brady Bunch uh, view here. Uh, we also have. Uh, uh, Mi Watson Farms, uh, who's been a, a really awesome contributor to our Facebook group and uh, has some really amazing uh, cannabis on a regular basis that he's showing off over there. So thanks for joining us. Why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? Thanks, Steve. Uh, yeah, I'm Dylan with Mi Watson Farms. And yeah, thanks for having me. Is that a new it's name? It's been an awesome. Uh, I'm Dylan. Well, I know. I know who you are. I said, is that a new name? <laughs> Sorry. The, your farm name. Or oh, me, 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 Watson Farms. Did you just come up with that or has it been that for a while and I just don't pay attention? Uh, it's been that for a while, but it's more so just uh, like the YouTube channel name. Gotcha. Uh, but then I'll be doing some consulting work for other micros and possibly licensed producers in the future. And then once I do get into the uh, legal framework with Health Canada for producing for stores. I'll be able to to do uh, direct farm to retail sales in Saskatchewan. Just the way the the regulations are set up here, we're allowed to do that already. Very good. Yeah, it should be good. And <clears throat> deep cut. His picture is the aquaponic cannabis growers. Uh, yeah. Uh, group picture. So when you guys come and check it out, like I know you're going to come check out the Aquaponic Cannabis Brewers group, you will see his lovely picture framed up so well there of his fish and his plants and everything all lined up there. So we appreciate you letting us use your picture there. No problem, man. Heck yeah. That was a fun, was a fun contest. Yeah, we did a contest for people to submit their grow and uh, his, the angle on his and everything is just sweet. So it's a good picture. And then we also Works have good. Uh, I was near the end of flowering too. That's how you go Oh, awesome. We also have Liam Keys is going to be joining us again as well. So, uh, to answer questions. So I really appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks for, uh, letting me join the panel here for, to answer some of these questions. And if you're just catching this, uh, this talk and you haven't seen uh, the other one yet, uh, definitely go check out his other talk a little bit earlier today. Uh, where uh, he gave us a really awesome tour of his facility, uh, both uh, future and present. So really cool to see all the things that he's been doing. Uh, so um, uh, I thought we could uh, start off uh, with a couple of questions from chat. And then uh, uh, and then if you guys had any questions that you guys want to throw on the floor, um, we just felt like it'd be cool to get a bunch of um, commercial pro uh, producers uh, together and um, 
kind of answer some questions from, from the crowd. We actually did a similar event with most of the same panel on the Future Cannabis Project a couple months ago, and it was a really a, a lot of fun and a, a lot of people enjoyed it. So we figured we'd uh, close the conference with something equally as cool. So uh, we thought uh, it went over really well, so we, we get to do it again. So we'll start off here is, uh, what's the most common problems you're running into when running commercial facilities? Um, I'll, uh, whoever wants to go first can, can grab that one. Well, I, I can, uh, I can just talk about like while we're turning on our facility, uh, right now. So, so like I said, we got our license April 13th. So we're on month, you know, five roughly of, of, uh, getting our rooms turned on and rolling and, uh, you know, we're also deep into uh, pheno hunting. Uh, you know, we've got a significant genetic library and uh, we've got four flower rooms that we're turning on. And uh, we're kind of doing a combination of uh, running our key base strains, you know, two of which are Royal Cushion and Girl Skill Cookie. Uh, but also we've got another couple rooms that we're, that we're pheno hunting in. And, you know, like starting up any farm or any company, it's really, uh, you know, trying to trying to plan your your process flow uh, ahead, and, uh, <laughs> and you know, and holding your mum and veg stock, and deciding quantities uh, of of uh, uh, of mother plants that you're trying to keep for certain strains, and you know, planning. You know, uh, we're we're going to run these two strains, you know, in room number three in four weeks, but then. You know, actually, we're going through it right now, right? We, we let one of our uh, strains in half of our room, you know, we let it go for nine and a half weeks, right? So that threw off our, uh, our whole schedule, held some, held some uh, veg material back in our room. Uh, we had another instance where um, uh, we popped, you know, we popped 200 seeds across, uh, across six different strains. And, uh, you know, we're, we're working with the university here right now. And we decided to let them do our sex testing, and we're we're trying to get set up because like we're we're quite research driven, and uh, you know they took three weeks longer than we had thought they would take to get the sex test done, and that really messed us up. So now we've got uh, you know we you know because we need to kill half of them, right? <laughs> we should have we should have cloned them uh, like a week and a half ago. And uh, we had to help hold them for a week and a half longer, and plus half of them are males, and we know that, right? So we had to, so we didn't want to clone a week and a half ago. Oh, sorry, um, and uh, clone double the amount of uh, of plants just because, because we would have been cloning half of those uh, as males. So I mean, you know, uh, re really scheduling, you know, uh, you know, building a schedule and thinking you're going to stay on that, and and just dealing with the reality. Of uh, of all these different uh, you know miscellaneous issues that pop up, so that's kind of the fun uh, that we're, we're timing. Right now. What's that? Timing is always you know it's always a bitch. I mean, it always <laughs> is. just like you were saying, all it takes is that one little thing. You know, like you've got a couple of plants that got to hang out in that room a little bit longer, or maybe not a couple, but a significant couple of strains, or you know, you, you have something that hangs out in a room longer than it's supposed to and then it just throws everything off moving forward your bedroom gets too crowded and you don't have a place to put them and you know they're just uh it 
I would say that's one of the, the more challenging things. I guess I don't look at it. I always kind of look at it in order. Like they, they're asking, you know, what are the common ones you run into? Well, the first one you run into is getting licensing. <laughs> and the second one you get, you run into is getting set up. And then the second, you know, it's like, for me, it's more uh, like an order of things as opposed to like a menu of them. Um, so I, I totally relate with what you're saying about the timing aspect of it, especially um, when you're when you're trying to get into production, not just stay in production, trying to get to production, I feel like is um, even more challenging than staying on track, which is challenging enough as it is. Yeah, I think you really hit the nail on the head there. Really uh, getting a solid plan together, you can do all you can to, to get your timeline mapped out just right. You know, these ones are gonna follow these ones through this room, we're gonna get our deep clean in and then on to the next thing. Uh, but consolidating that with real life and then being able to adjust on the fly when those inevitable things pop up, whether it's, you know, a little issue with tests or a nutrient thing that's got you hung up for a few days and just that little lag it puts and the fallout that that has to your whole schedule, being able to adapt and uh, with that on the fly is, is really key. Being the crew that's uh, doing deep water culture and using uh, coho salmon water to grow cannabis, that has been uh, quite an adventure and a big challenge for us. Uh, we currently, to our knowledge, are the only uh, group that uh, has done that in that way. And uh, we've called around for all kinds of advice in certain aspects, mainly around nutrients, what you're gonna be lacking, um, how to filter your system. And uh, we've really had to learn firsthand through some trial and error and obviously uh, doing it as smartly as we possibly can and always being on your toes because one day uh, somebody will leave a valve on and you start losing water or a pump gets clogged at say it's seven o'clock at nighttime and now you got to spend the next five hours fixing that pump, making sure that uh, all your salmon stock is safe and your cannabis production is safe. I would say, uh, in my experience, the single hardest part of it is licensing and dealing with all the BS involved with licensing. Um, after licensing, in terms of day-to-day -day challenges, I would say just making sure that um, employee biosecurity and employees not 100% of the time making sure everything is is the way it should be and not causing bios and not not even intentionally i'm talking about accidents like it's the end of the day and they realized oh shit i left a hose on and they run in real quick and breaks break protocol from their car just to go turn that hose off and didn't go put their gear on and didn't go through the whole nine um, and, and, and stuff like that, or people being a little too willing to take in um, the cut of the month uh, and the popular strain right now from a source that maybe they know uh, they shouldn't have gotten it from, or maybe they, they, they got a strain and they, they normally don't even take in strains, but they broke it just because they're trying to carry this popular one. Um, or the other one I see a lot of problems with is people running their clone spaces way too hot. Um, if you, you know, those clones need to be no higher than 75 Fahrenheit. Uh, if you're running a much warmer than that, you're going to have problems. Uh, it's going to screw up your rooting. 
uh, you know, that's that's kind of on the upper end. Um, but I, I think that's probably the the stuff I see when I walk in and, and I see just super commonly. Um, that and, and then the other one I see is mosaic virus. I think <laughs> I see that all the time where you have some kind of, uh, uh, you know, weird, weird issue going on or weird, uh, you know, very obvious uh, insect and, in, uh, you know, one insect infection or maybe russets or mosaics somewhere in the grow. Uh, uh, super common. Last year was septoria, um, but now I guess everyone's traded enough cuts in Oklahoma to infect at least one strain in their, their mom room with mosaic now. So I've said I've taken so many pictures this year uh, of mosaic. It's crazy. But at least we have uh, people like medicinal genomics that are making assays where we can actually learn what we're doing on that stuff. Uh, and uh, was it, um, what's the other one for, um, for viral testing, I'll think of it. Anyways, uh, agdia, agdia.com. Uh, that's the other one for viral testing. They have test strips uh, if you're trying to ID that stuff. So the next question uh, in chat here. All right. Um, how are we operating our systems? Uh, the last system is a little bit different. Um, I myself do mostly dual root zone aquaponics. I, my preference is to do media beds and to do, uh, you know, two to four, maybe even eight on a hundred foot run, um, uh, if possible, uh, and then doing dual root zone pots and that. And again, to have that level of nutrient control, uh, I can, uh, you know, really accelerate the, the growth of individual strains and side by side. Uh, and especially like uh, Marty was saying, when you're trying to, uh, you know, pheno hunt and figure out the right nutrient uh, um, regimens. Once you found a good pheno, uh, you can run, you know, a whole bunch of side-by-sides uh, really rapidly in a single run and, and, and really dial them in in a short period of time. So those are some of the advantages again. That And not only that, I find that when just through testing that it gives you a pretty big increase in terpenes, um, at least me personally. Um, now that other people have found other ways to do mineralization and stuff and had really great results as well. It doesn't mean that you can't achieve it, but it um, for me, it's the way that I've found is the easiest uh, to control and then the easiest way for me to get people that have are used to soil or cocoa or something else to convert to and, and, and succeed with um, because it's it's something that's that's kind of familiar to what they're used to and it's easier for them to transition to uh, on a commercial scale and, and they feel more comfortable with, uh, at least in, in my personal experience. Um, I, don't, Mar I don't know who wants to, to jump in next. So I'm pretty similar, dual root zone, aquaponics, and media beds. Um, I guess right now, what I'm working on is kind of uh, what Steve was just talking about. I'm first trying to dial in uh, nutrients, I guess, more in terms of um, how much potassium, how much phosphorus, uh, you know, do I really need uh, in those different systems inside an aquaponics system? Because I think we have, you know, enough evidence to show that, you know, compared to other methods of growing, we can use fewer amounts of nutrients. Um, so I'm trying to figure out uh, what what ratios work the best. And, and, and I can only grow 12 plants at a time, so dual root zone really allows me <clears throat> to be able to dial each one in per system. Hey, Steve, can you mute? I'm getting a little bit of an echo. Oh, my bad. Oh, it's all good. So yeah, in, uh, in the because I can dial in the soil mix and keep it isolated for each dual root zone pot, uh, inside one, I can have 12, 12 different variations or more like a control in variations 
of a single strain or multiple strains if I want to do more than one. So right now I'm trying to keep my, my cuts pretty consistent uh, where I only have a couple of them that I'm, I'm using to dial in my nutrient profiles for my new system. And then uh, once I have that, so from the first run, I already have target zones for the next one and I'll vary those over the other 12 plants and get that even smaller. And then uh, I'll be able to do that inside of a single run. So that's the advantage of uh, being able to run them all in a single system, but still be able to have different nutrients for each plant is I don't have to, uh, I don't have to run 12, 12 tests in order to accommodate the same thing. So inside of that same, you know, two to three month period, I can, I can test 12 variations instead of one if I was doing a single system with all my plants. So um, that's kind of been what my focus is. And then once I know what base profiles I want to start with for nutrients, then I'll start doing phenolons um, with the same nutrient profiles that I already had dialed in. So that way I can create my baselines a layer at a time. Um, so that, that, that's kind of what I'm currently working on, but I'm growing a, a indoors, Primarily, I will have an outdoor system next year with the same, you know, U-siphons, media beds, uh, same type of stuff in a greenhouse. But uh, for right now, mostly indoors. We've got about just under 4,000 watts of ceramic metal halide um, that I'm growing in the flower room right now. And uh, it's about 20 by 20. So that's what I have right now. So for uh, our system, we uh, have coho salmon, and then we have a decoupled deep water culture system for our flowering. And then our propagation, we actually uh, take water from the coho salmon, and uh, we just put those in an aerator, and that is how we spread our root. So we, all our uh, cultivation is done indoors. We have, have our salmon room, and then that water goes down to a treatment room where we're treating the water for the salmon to make sure it stays in the water quality that we need it to. And then another process that's treating the water for the flowering room. Now we are looking to have as minimum inputs as possible. So we're doing a lot of water buffering to, for example, to get your potassium, your calcium, your magnesium actually in the salmon system to maintain the pH. And then we're also, uh, so the pH for the salmon's at a seven and the pH for the plants, we keep between a five, seven to a six, two, depending on the stage of growth. So for that, then we add phosphorus in to bring it down. So we're doing a lot of development on how to optimize the living water. And there's uh, definitely levels to it. We've uh, had the current system we have operating for a couple years now and uh, but still refinement to be done. We're also uh, currently expanding and we're gonna have uh, six new flower rooms and every flower room will have its own water control. So each room will be able to uh, tweak nutrients a little bit. Say we wanna add a little extra magnesium and we'll be able to do that in its own individual sump and then uh, see what the results are. And as well, also environment wise, we'll be able to you know, bring the degrees up by one or two or bring it down at certain times throughout the flower cycle. So we're going to get a lot of uh, information quickly compared to what we have been in just the one room we've been operating for the last couple of years. So we, we'll be able to learn six times faster. That's awesome. Wow. 
Awesome. Uh, who wants to go next? Ben, you, for whatever reason, your sound is, I'm not sure what it is that. Any better? Mm, no, we'll, we'll let uh, somebody else go. Else, yeah. What's All that? Right. Worked for a second there. I'll just always getting her, getting her done there. Um, well, we could have we could have uh, Tanner go next. Always getting sorted. Right on. Um. Uh, well, we're we're um, uh, currently we're running a uh, decoupled decoupled system. So we just have a very small uh, fish farm to start. So we've only got a one metric ton per year uh, system uh, at this time. So we've got. Uh, you know about 500 black Nile tilapia in each one of these uh, each one of these tanks. Got our little belt feeder uh, up here, and of course our drum filter. That's our bead filter uh, there in the back. Uh, phase two, we're going to build out a 17 metric ton uh, system, so that'll give us uh, ample ample nutrient at this time. But uh, right now we're just uh, top feeding. Uh, so we're of course we're an indoor we're an indoor grow as well. Um, so everything we're doing right now is very, very research-based. So not unlike, uh, you know, Lane and how he's tweaking, tweaking his, uh, I'm dropping my mic here, tweaking in his, uh, uh, deep water culture system in six different rooms. Um, but they're dedicated to deep water culture. We're, we're actually, uh, following the footsteps of you, Steve, a bit, but we're, we're wide open, right? So we're saying, we're, we're starting with living soil, uh, top fed with aquaponic water. Uh, then we're gonna progress uh, to different mediums. We actually have a pure carbon char medium that we're gonna be running here um, probably in the new year. Uh, we're gonna be running that up against a uh, cocoa coir. Uh, everything of course will involve uh, being fed with the, uh, with the aquaponics water. Um, and uh, you know we'll be doing some dual root zone uh, stuff as well and then bottom feed versus top feed um, you know while doing our best not to uh, not to go down useless routes right I mean it's really about really about tweaking tweaking our strain uh, to the bet to the best of, uh, of its ability uh, what you're looking at here actually was our very first living soil uh, test so on the uh, on the left here we've got a soil called crystal cure and this is a really nice formulation. It's got uh, uh, some carbon char in it. Uh, it's inoculated with a uh, with a mushroom tea, which I really really liked. Uh, it's more a lot more of a peat base uh, as well. So we didn't top these plants a whole lot. This was our very first run, so we kind of went with a single cola plant. Uh, this is the Royal Kush, is what you're looking at here. Um, but you can see a drastic drastic difference between. Uh, just really the thickness and the undergrowth and the canopy here on the crystal cure. And of course, uh, uh, you know, it's not nearly as nutrient deficient. Uh, and then you can see here, uh, this one here had some root issues actually in the back. Um, but you can see here the undergrowth is really not anywhere near, near, near uh, the, uh, uh, the uh, crystal cure soil. So on our first flower run, we basically eliminated um, kryptonite out of our repertoire. So we're going to move forward with Crystal Cure as our base baseline living soil. 
uh, and the, we ran Girl Scout in the same soil and uh, the Girl Scout didn't, didn't react uh, quite as, quite as uh, uh, negatively in the, in the kryptonite as the Royal Kush did, but it did have lesser overall yield. But yeah, so really, really for us, everything we're doing is is research driven. So it's about uh, really answering those questions of what's going on in the microbiome in the soil, what's going on in the microbiome of the uh, fish water, and then combining them, running them separately. Uh, you know, this is going to take. Uh, this is really the whole basis of our entire company is is understanding. Um, uh, what the microbiome is doing and how it's react, you know, how the plant is, is reacting to it. So, so decoupled, um, decoupled system right now. And well, it'll definitely remain decoupled. And uh, yeah, as far as, as far as I guess, as a, we, we don't really have a set, a set way. Like I said, we're just going to be plowing through, uh, plowing through and figuring out what, where, where we'll land and what the best way is for us here over this next year, year and a half, two years. Awesome. Um, and uh, what about, uh, looks like we got Bain and, um, and Dylan left here. Yeah, I can go. I can go. Um, um, my setup is similar to, to Marty and Steve's. It's a flood and drain system, drain system. Uh, with dual root zones, um, with a super soil mix, super lots, lots of red regulars in the media beds. Media beds. Uh, eventually, eventually, I want to do an outdoor, an outdoor system, system with light deprivation of greenhouses, houses, and, um, passive solar, heat, earth sheltered aquaponics. But that's probably like a three to five year. Three to five year. But yeah. Otherwise, this is a pretty simple setup here. Hey, how's that uh, audio coming through now? Much better. Awesome. Uh, so here at uh, Vertica, I think we're doing something very similar to Stewart Farms. We've got the table set up in much the same way with the living soil that we're top feeding with our aquaponic water. And now that aquaponic water, we're, we're pulling off of a continuously recirculating loop. We've got DWC that we're running some other plants in that we're working on converting that over to more of a, uh, a dual root zone type of setup, much like uh, Steve, you and Marty were talking about earlier, uh, on top of those floating racks with the, you know, three to five gallon pot on there and uh, letting those roots get down in between or <clears throat> excuse me, below that. Uh, but for right now, that's really proven uh, effective for us. We just installed a big geothermal heat exchanger system to try to get our temperature in that deep water culture down because that was giving us problems for for a while there, especially during the heat of the summer. But that, we're working on moving that over to more of a dual root zone setup, and then, like I said, up the hills, all uh, living soil containers. There's a uh, the next question is a good one. Uh, what do we look for for people that we want to hire? I okay, I'll I'll answer. Oh, sorry. Oh no, you're you're good. Uh, I'll uh, I can speak to that right now. We're really going through that process at the farm, like as we speak. We've got two really great guys. I've got to give a shout out to them right now. Uh, Zach and Tim are really helping us hold it down out there. But when you're looking for new people, I gotta say, dependability is is a huge thing. Someone you can count can on. You, day day. 
can you get a little closer to your mic because it cuts out yeah, a little bit? Yeah. There you go. I think, I think we've got some uh, other problems. There you go. Dependability is what I was speaking to. Uh, somebody who can show after day and really someone you can count on to follow through with all the SOPs you've set forth. A lot of time and effort goes into putting those together and so being able to turn that over to somebody and know that they'll they'll be able to knock those things out and you can work through that weekly list together and get everything that has to happen around the farm you know from day to day week to week month to month taken care of uh that that's huge so yeah so we uh just went through the uh, hiring process as well we actually had a hundred applicants uh when we were going to be hiring three people for the expansion that we're doing. And so the very first thing we look for is that they were able to follow instructions on the application. We had some uh, certain questions and uh, things that we wanted answered there. And uh, a handful didn't uh, end up filling that stuff out. So we didn't uh, move any of those applicants forward. After that, there were uh, some certain skill sets we're looking at in our case. Uh, we want to understand the micro life a little more. So uh, we had brought on somebody uh, who would be able to handle that. And then some experience around uh, certain things like cultivation, et cetera, played a big role. But uh, the big next step after we did a phone interviews with uh, the, the top candidates was to then check their references and uh, had all the same questions for the references, but having strong references was uh, pretty much the final thing to make our decision for uh, who we'd end up bringing on the team. And exactly as mentioned that they're gonna be reliable and uh, have a farming mindset for us because you really, uh, it's not a nine to five job all the time. You gotta be prepared if something doesn't uh, go right that you're gonna be able to stay longer or if you're uh, scheduled on certain days that you may have to come in at 12 at night to uh, fix some challenges that may be happening in the facility. Yeah, I, um, uh, I've got two, two key things that, uh, that I'm looking for now. And the first one is you have to love the plant. You have to love cannabis and you have to love the plant and and I, and I didn't think like when we first got going I, I I didn't look that this has just been like a you know drop the hammer down decision here in the last couple of weeks really or even the last month uh, I didn't think it was as crucial right you know I I, I knew we needed uh, I know it was a preference it was a preference at the beginning um, but you know <laughs> We are running a startup company in what is a startup industry, uh, you know, in the legal space anyways. And, you know, working in a startup company in, in a well-established industry is, is hard enough. Uh, so, you know, uh, having that built-in passion in a startup company in a brand new startup industry. I mean, the closest thing to this is the dot-com, right? Bubble that, that, that burst and, you know, it was a brand new emerging, emerging industry and in, in with, you know, companies rising, rising and falling left, right, and center, you know, it's, 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 uh, it's, it's a lot of pressure and uh, it's, it's, uh, 
you know, you're, and you're farming, <laughs> you know, that's the big difference. You can't really compare it to the .com, you know, and I actually, you know, cause then you're farming, right? It's not like you're making a software. <laughs> so, so the second thing, uh, so passion, you gotta love the plant, um, you know, and, and I'm pretty sure that's gonna spill over into the administration side of this company as well, because, you know, if you're sitting there looking at a spreadsheet and you never go into the farm, at least you know what you're, what you're spreadsheeting about. Um, and the, uh, the second one is uh, the ability to adjust to rapid change. And that kind of goes back to the, the farming side of it, right? You know, like you have to be willing to come into work every day and be like, oh, we're not doing what we said we were going to do yesterday. And then you got to come in the next day and be like, oh, we're also not doing the thing we said we were going to do today, right? And, and you know, and, and to Lane's point, uh, you, you know, and oh, we're going to be here for 18 hours today. So, so you know, and, and that all kind of loops, loops back. So like, you know, if you're passionate, chances are you're not going to, mind those extreme changes uh every day but you know you might be passionate but then you really just can't take those those shifting tides i mean a lot of people uh, a lot of people need structure like they need structure and uh and there and a, and a lot of people just aren't built for this kind of uh, uh kind of a gig right so i'm just trying to you know going forward when we're hiring people we're interviewing people and we they make it through all the kind of to the last conversation <clears throat> just trying to be as negative as possible <laughs> and be like you know nothing you think we're going to do is going to happen many things are not going to work out and this is going to be really hard right you know and uh and you know kind of lay it out <laughs> yeah i think that, um i think that as far as like i have the unique perspective of hiring for a different industry also as an IT professional. I've been IT manager multiple times and ran, you know, tech support crews. I've ran installation crews and hired multiple people. And first of all, it's almost always a crapshoot, but there are, <clears throat> I feel like important things uh, in terms of aquaponics that are, are interesting, which is the first one I have to say is if you have any type of farming experience at all, you should just come to the top of the list at least to be considered and there's a reason for that which is everybody can sit at their office job and fantasize about growing weed and how cool it is and how fun it must be and not realize exactly how much work it is until they do it for a couple of days and then never fucking show up again so um that's just so if you've done it before and you know what you're in for that and you're still willing to do it then by all means that, you know, you should definitely at least talk to them. Then the second thing that I'll, that I'll say about hiring people that I feel like is the most important thing across the board is uh, what questions they ask. What are they interested in when you are talking to them? Um, are, are their interests um, related to uh, plants, knowing, expanding their own knowledge? Do they want, you know, do they bring their own stuff to the conversation? Do they talk about strains that they've already grown? Do they talk about farming that they've already done? Do they ask questions related to what the job is going to be? Or do they ask questions related to what the pay is going to be? What the hours are going to be? Um, things that are more related, let's just say slightly more self-centered as opposed to um, 
uh, knowledge seeking because I, I do feel like people thrive in, in what they love. And if you, they're there to get an hourly wage or they're there to just have a job, um, you know, it's going to be difficult for them to succeed. So if you have somebody that's, that is showing up to a job interview and asking questions just because they genuinely want to know stuff about growing a plant or cutting clones or doing a farm of any, any sort, um, you know, try to consider them a little bit more than maybe somebody that has more experience, but it is only concerned with how the job is going to benefit them financially. So I would say knowledge centric questions in the interview process have always something that I've been looking for. And that's the same even in IT. If people were coming to me and I was interviewing them for a technician job and they were asking questions about the latest operating system or how, how better to classify tech calls or um, you know trying to get information out, out of me to better themselves, those people almost always work out after being hired in my experience. So that's my two cents. Oh yeah, definitely. Anybody who's who's on on point for anyone any experience growing, uh, especially if they've experienced growing like uh, acreage, you know, then they definitely move to the top because they're going to, especially insect observation, they seem to really have a, a one up on. Um, I also like to do. Uh, I'll take somebody, especially if I really think they're they got a good chance of being hired. Uh, have them suit up and whatever we need to do to get into a room, and be like, "Cool, tell me what's wrong with the room right now." and let them go run around and tell me what the hell's wrong. And I know what's wrong. I scout the thing every morning, right? So that's cool. But and maybe, maybe and if they're really good, they find something I didn't know was there, then they're a really good chance to get hired. <laughs> but uh, uh, but uh, in general, you know, if they can at least tell me most, all or most of what I know is wrong with the room is, you know, or hey, there's nothing wrong with the room, you know, let them, let them run around a room for 30 minutes until they tell you nothing's wrong. You know, that sometimes that's kind of fun too. But uh, <laughs> either way, um, let them, you know, tell you that, you know, call them on their experience. You know, there's a lot of people out there that have trimmed or something like that, that might have watched a few podcasts and they can talk a good game, but throw them in a room for a minute and tell them and see what they do, you know, and see what their reaction is when they walk into a room. You know, another big one is, uh, do they complain about being itchy? <laughs> Do they know that they're going to get a sheet, right? Like, it's a, it's a big one, right? <laughs> like, you have people that are like, man, I don't remember weed being itchy. It's like, okay, you haven't grown weed before. Just, like, get out. Like, you know, that kind of stuff. So, just stuff to think about. You know, there's little stuff like that, too, where, you know, um, just, just you could tell if somebody's grown or not just by taking them into a grow and then asking them how they're going to go about doing, you know, X, Y, or Z. Uh, can give you a real good idea and it can take you five or ten minutes to find out if someone actually knows what they're doing or not pretty quickly i went to a grow <laughs> oh man um i went to a grow in oklahoma and their master grower didn't know he was supposed to balance the ph of the nutrient solution uh, which uh, <laughs> i've seen all kinds of stuff i've seen people over aerate their systems and hold their ph at 8.2 and all kinds of things so you never know what kind of wacky ideas people's master growers, quote unquote, will have. All righty. Uh, so uh, before we move on, do you guys have any questions here on the panel that you guys would like to ask other producers? Anything you guys are stuck on? Anything you guys are uh, wish you had a, 
an answer to or anything like that before I go back to, to user questions. Or not user questions, but viewer questions. Anything? Bueller? Nobody? All right. Anyone have any I, favorites? I, Go ahead. How do I order myself some uh, black tilapia tanner? Sorry, what's that? But how do I order myself some of your tilapia? Well, you you or will be your cannabis coming out too. In eight eight in about uh, seven and a half months, I will be able to smoke some tilapia up for you, and then we'll we'll trade some smoked tilapia for some smoked salmon. I don't know I don't know if that's an equal trade, but it's a trade. <laughs> yeah, so we're about uh, we're about yeah seven and a half months from uh, from them getting to a pound and a half, and the weed. Um, that's a good question, Lane. I mean, we're, we we. Uh, uh, we're just about to put the Royal in for its first cure and uh, I got to get my COA on it. So finger, fingers, fingers crossed on it. Uh, so that's like the soonest we can have any weed on the market is looking like November 15th, kind of best case. And that would be, uh, uh, that would be for that run of Royal and, uh, the Girl Scout would be kind of early November, but we're probably going to start here on the East coast. We couldn't be further away, right? Like we're starting in New Brunswick. You guys are in BC, so I'll be kind of working working my way there, unless we land on Shelter Market with you, uh, which which is a possibility, right? Well, I look forward to uh, trying it soon here, and to uh, some smoked tilapia. <laughs> and, and God bless Canada for letting you travel with weed and concentrate on their airlines. I know all the, all us Americans are super jealous right now of this entire yeah. conversation. Just in case you were wondering. Oh we yeah. Oh. Man, like getting on planes, like planes stink nowadays. Like you can carry, you know, some guys could carry like, <laughs> you know, like a, we do a get pound, that. right? Yeah, down here in Oregon, we do. We, so Oregon, you can fly out just about anywhere you want to. And they say, hey, wherever you're going, it's their problem. So for the most part, Oregon, you can fly out with stuff and you can fly from Oregon to Oregon, you know, no problem. So that's been great. But man, to be able to send products to another state just seems like, you know, should be so obvious that it should be able to happen and it doesn't. So that, that's always frustrating. But I do have a question for you guys since Steve brought it up. Um, what is, I know a number of you guys are doing pheno hunts right now. So what are your favorite phenos that you haven't been able to try yet? What are you, what are you excited to try when it's done? Well, I, I got this uh, <clears throat> Cherry West uh from uh freeborn and uh i ran it indoor and outdoor and it's actually uh you know mean gene talks about uh one of the phenos being a mutant strain and uh it it is the weirdest looking plant like uh its leaves are on like like any plant i've ever seen and i wonder if i can find it here uh but it just stinks like, oh, here it is right here. One second here. And I actually did smoke some non-cured like, okay, see that? See that leaf profile? That, it's just the weirdest looking plant, right? This was early on. Like this was, uh, this was about like four weeks before we took her down. Um, but anyways, it just stinks. It's got like a real, real fruity, fruity smell on it. Um, you know, I, I'm really looking forward to smoking a fully cured version of it. And it's kind of looking like 
it might be meant to be an outdoor strain and it finished about uh, 10, 10 or 12 days ago. And I probably could have took it down about five or six days before that on the outdoor. Um, and it was kind of short and stout and it looked really great. So uh, it looks like it actually might be an outdoor strain. It, it doesn't seem to be doing as well uh, inside. So we're, we're going to do a couple runs of that as well. But but that's uh, I, I basically fell in love with it on the outdoor. And I, I rubbed I rubbed one part of the butt like I kept rubbing the top cola. And then it ended up molding on me because I kept touching it. <laughs> so I had to cut that part off. So, you know, don't 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 be uh, touching your outdoor butt uh, if, even if you love the plant. So yeah. for uh, me, due to uh, our, so we're only allowed so much cultivation um, canopy space, given the micro license we have. So we've, with our expansion, we're actually fully utilizing that just for flower production. So we ended up partnering with uh, Mother Labs out in Saskatoon. And right now we are in week two of a couple hundred pheno hunts. So I would say in six weeks when I go down there, I'm going to get all kinds of exciting uh, plants, gorgeous ladies to look at and uh, be able to pick some uh, new flavors for us. So it's uh, six weeks out at today's date, but I'm uh, very excited to check out our new phenos that we have going. They have some really nice stuff going at Mother Labs. I'm based Maybe. just out of, outside of Sask Saskatoon. Yeah, they got an awesome uh, site there. I toured up there a couple months ago. Great group of guys, and um, very excited to go back and see what we have uh, coming down the pipe. Sweet. Who wants to go next? I'll jump in. Um, um, we've got a. Uh, a strain of this Gelato G that I'm really excited about. It uh, actually fared really well. We had a bit of a pest problem come through and it was the one plant who just stayed pristine and clear even when plants right next to her just got swamped. And so we've got some that just got chopped last week. It's on the racks now that we're waiting to see. I mean, the flower is really nice. It's got some pretty color to it. Uh, so we're really interested to see how that one really turns out after dry and cure and we get some COAs on it because we've got a bunch of her prodigies in a room right now that's coming along, flipped a flower and is following up behind it. So we're, we're really excited about that one. And that one should be available uh, in our dispensaries in Oklahoma City here in the next couple months, probably about three months out from now. So that, that one's uh, gonna be good to see how that turns out. Go ahead, Dylan. I'm running a few different phenos by Ethos right now, uh, but the one that's standing out the most is probably Purple Sunset and Inzane in the Membrane. I haven't flowered Inzane in the Membrane yet, but it looks like it's going to stretch three times as big as it is now, so I don't have enough ceiling space, but that's okay. <laughs> um, and one of my favorites to always have going is CBD Afghani by House of the Great Gardener. Uh, every time I grow it, it ranges between 8% THC and 12% CBD and the terpene profile on it is perfect. And it's super, super, super resilient to bugs and pests. So like Bane was saying, you have 
an inf infested plant right beside the mother and the CBD Afghani just wasn't effective whatsoever. So that's one I'll definitely be keeping around as well. But I'm excited to try out these new ethos genetics. I've never really ran any of them before. And yeah, probably after I'm done pheno hunting, I'm just going to go switch back to doing one or two strains because doing more than one in this room is a task by itself. <laughs> uh, yeah, I have a couple different varieties of my blue hash that uh, some of the people have, have gotten their hands on. I, I usually throw those out when there's a... a a fundraiser or something over on on future cannabis project and stuff like that um and that's the lineage i've been growing for a long time since uh, in colorado and then uh, mr green jeans garden has been back crossing those for me and uh, working that line a little bit and then we've been kind of jumping that in and out of aquaponics for quite a few generations now and it really seems to just scream uh and uh but uh, uh of the ones lately um uh, the stuff I guess I, that I'm ex most excited to germinate next, which I'm about to soon, is a whole bunch of land race Zimbabwe that I allegedly brought back uh, from Zimbabwe from uh, the up in Nyanga Mountains, uh, which is going to be a lot of fun. Uh, pheno hunting those super high in pinene, uh, so that'll be a, a lot of fun. So um, uh, have you guys found any interesting test results so far in your searches? No, unfortunately, we just sent off our, uh, well, we're preparing to send off our samples for our uh, COAs next week. We don't have any results on that one I was speaking of with the dust pack yet. So eagerly awaiting, eagerly awaiting that. Yeah, we're uh, <clears throat> we we got uh, we got pretty high hopes uh, pinned on this next UA for our uh, original. It's the original Girl Scout uh, cut. It's kind of a classic, you know. It's not uh, um, uh, it's not really in the uh, in the uh, current current hype train necessarily. But on on the first first run of it, you know, it did two percent terps and twenty two percent. Uh, THC and and uh, that we did that wasn't a run we did actually it was a run I had uh, uh, contracted out while I was waiting to get my license uh, and, and just everything you could imagine went wrong in that room so so uh, you know it kind of did those numbers despite uh, despite that gross situation so we're just about to get our next COA on that so uh, it's it's supposed to do up to 28 and uh, you know 28 percent and three and a half percent uh, terps. I, I got to like my nose isn't a COA, but like it stunk up. You could it stunk up the whole building. You know, it was you you walk as soon as you pulled up to the building, it was Girl Scout that you were smelling outside. You walked in the office, it was Girl Scout. It was right beside the Royal, right? You know, it, it was in the same room. So we had two we had two tables of the Girl Scout, two tables of two tables of Mandelbrot's Royal, and uh, you know it was just unbelievably powerful uh, of. Uh, of a, of a scent, right? So it kind of took over everything. So fingers crossed, you know, I'm, I'm more excited about the, the Terp numbers than the uh, uh, THC numbers personally, but the market's more excited about THC numbers, unfortunately, uh, uh, than, uh, than Terp numbers right now, so. Awesome, very cool. Anybody else? Yeah, as Tanner uh, mentioned, 
for us uh, so far, so on our cake strain, which is a Mandarin sunset crossed with a dosi dough, our uh, highest COA we've got back was a 33% total cannabinoids and 1.87% terpenes. Now uh, we're hunting through hundreds more here. So I'm expecting that we're gonna be able to uh, get those terpenes up here from some uh, new phenos and as well, the market uh, up here is focused very around the high THC, but I think uh, people are starting to also really care about the terp. So having that combination of the two is going to be big for uh, making sure you're top of the market choice. Absolutely, for sure. Yeah, terpenes is one of the things that we found a huge, huge boost in. Uh, we've had some... Uh, get quite high uh, in the aquaponics, especially when you start getting into hybridizing it with um, uh, some of the different uh, fermented inputs. It seems certain plants have different compounds that really trigger terpene production in certain plants as well. Uh, maybe not something that you could do in a certified uh, organic system without getting yourself into trouble, but when uh, uh, in an R&D system or something like that where you can experiment a little more, um, uh, uh, you definitely, uh, or in a home grow for sure, uh, uh, can can play around with some of that stuff that we don't have uh, access to always on the commercial scale too. So, uh, but definitely some some really interesting things uh, that that we've seen. Uh, CBD as well, a, a huge increase in CBD against soil controls uh, that we've had. Uh, I can't tell you how many times we've done that one now, uh, five six times that we've done that with different groups. Uh, yeah, quite a bit. Um, so. Uh, the other one was uh, beta carfilene. Beta carfilene in particular, we seem to have a huge boost in. Uh, was the other one that I've seen just across the board uh, in the aquaponics versus soil have a, a pretty big boost. Um, I, Bain, you do a little bit of side by side as well up there. Do you have anything else you wanted to add? Uh, yeah, not yeah, particularly on that. In particular, we don't have any that we were able to run exactly side-by-side side side comparisons and get our variables as old as we'd like just yet. Sure, I was just curious, just because I know you have the different setups up there. Um, I did a lot of work to help uh, help at Bain's house spot, not house, the company he works with. Uh, I was working it, with them a little bit before It's kind of like then. a house sometimes. It feels <laughs> like it. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> um, so uh, let me see what other questions we have in chat here. Um, Let's see, is anybody growing any CBG cultivars? Not yet, but I definitely want to. In the event you get one, I might grow something else, but no CBG here. Nope, uh, nothing in particular here. Let's see here, there's some other questions. Um, Thank you very much. Lots of people saying thank you for all the awesome content. A uh, good go. Uh, okay, hold on. Can't believe it's taking me so long. So, um, no. All right. Would you guys have any other um, uh, things you guys like to say about aquaponics and your experiences about uh, doing it versus other methods in general? I had a had a recent pretty good anecdote occur. Um, you know, I came out of the 
Leafy Green World originally, and I, I ran uh, a farm for three and a half years in Western Canada and Edmonton, Alberta. And we did spinach, kale, arugula, Swiss chard, you know, 20 different types of beans. You know, we, we, did, we did the old servicing of restaurants, restaurants, um, home delivery, uh, box systems. But, you know, the fact of the matter is, is that aquaponics really made me fall in love with leafy greens um, on a personal level. I uh, didn't realize spinach was so good. I didn't realize arugula was supposed to taste like horseradish. Um, and uh, recently, I had heard that uh, a chef of a high-end conference center called the Shaw Conference Center downtown Edmonton um, you know, he used to buy all of our aquaponically grown greens. And, uh, you know, after I exited, exited that company and came to focus on Stewart Farms, they, uh, the, the guys that were running it, they eventually shut it down. Um, but, uh, like since, uh, since he stopped getting aquaponically grown leafy greens and he tried hydroponic guys, like local indoor hy hydroponic guys and, he refuses to uh, bring bring any any indoor grown in if it's not aquaponically grown. And he's a phenomenal chef. And uh, I and I just heard that within the last week. So you know, if 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 we were to be back out there again, and Stuart Farms was to get going back on the food side, you know, he would bring he would bring our products back into his restaurant here uh, again. I know it's not cannabis driven, uh, but it's just a just a testimony. Uh, you know, for me personally, anyways, I mean, I've tried lots, lots of, lots of, uh, you know, uh, vegetables, you know, fruiting crops and leafy greens grown in hydroponic systems. And, and to me, the food just tastes better in an aquaponic system. And, 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 and apparently it, it does, uh, with, with that particular, uh, chef as well. So I just thought that was a pretty good anecdote. I mean, for me, it's just my favorite thing to smoke, I guess. I mean, I've grown it all kinds of different ways. You guys watched my talk earlier. I kind of went over all the different ways in which I have grown it and then everything I grow, I consume. So um, by doing it multiple different ways myself, I feel like I can at least eliminate the grower's bias uh, in terms of that because obviously everything that we grow <coughs> tastes good to us. I think the same is mostly true for food as well. Um, so it's easy to say that our own cannabis is the best cannabis, but if we only do it one way, then I feel like uh, <clears throat> it doesn't rule out our bias. So after growing in living soil and growing in decoupled systems and growing in uh, sub-irrigated planters and growing in just straight pots and growing in hydro, uh, in all the different ways and then consuming them, I can still say confidently that every side-by-side, -side, every strain that I've grown, I've all preferred in a um, whole loop aquaponic system. So that's why I do it. I'm a consumer of one, so I don't have any other customers that I have to be concerned about. So that's nice. It's uh, something that you can be uh, really proud of for uh, us. Like I can go uh, grab sashimi grade salmon right out of our finishing tanks and have for lunch, get the 
amazing cannabis that we've been producing at our facility. And uh, as Tanner mentioned as well, it uh, opens up the opportunities to be able to get in food production. And I've uh, tried some of the kale and lettuce from Deepwater Farms up in Calgary. And uh, definitely I could tell the difference from what I would get at the store otherwise. And uh, having that uh, quality product grow in an aquaponics system, you get uh, amazing protein and your greens, whether it be uh, leafy greens or cannabis greens. Yeah, I think uh, the thing that really sets aquaponics apart for me, I come from a vegetable and leafy green background as well. Uh, and I can definitely agree with what you're saying, Marty. The grower's bias is present. What you grow, I do think, tastes better most of the time. But uh, that aside, I, I believe that aquaponics is, is something that's really unique and you can be proud of in terms of its uh, regenerative properties. And you can make it really low impact and from a commercial standpoint too, once you get everything dialed in and your processes figured out, I believe it's truly a more economical way to produce what again, in my opinion, is a higher quality product, better tasting product at the end of the day, uh, and, be and better for uh, customers, whether they be medicinal as is the case here in Oklahoma or recreational in other markets. Uh, so that's what really sets aquaponics apart for me. And that's the reason I'm going down that path. Absolutely. I found uh, no matter the crop, it really increases the flavor. Uh, hands down, that just it doesn't matter if it's lettuce, tomatoes, cucumbers, cannabis, night and day doesn't matter unless unless you're growing in like the, the richest living soil, I think is the only thing that really compares. Um, and that takes time and experience uh, that a lot of people just don't have uh, and patience that a lot of people don't have, <laughs> to, be, to be frank with you. So um, uh, yeah, so uh, I think that's the kind of the biggest thing all around uh, uh, that you just can't really compare. So uh, on that note, uh, why doesn't everybody uh, go around and tell everybody how to find them and more information about them and their products, and then, uh, and then we'll conclude. So why don't we start off with, uh, with Tanner there. Uh, yeah, well, thanks, Steve, for uh, for having me. Uh, it's always uh, always great, and and uh, and all, always great talking to all of you guys as well. Uh, it's nice to be, uh, you know, it's amazing to be part of this community. It really is. I I tell people aquaponics is kind of like a religion, and uh, uh, you know, once you're in, you're you're in. Uh, but uh, but yeah, you know, you can find us on, uh, of course, our website, uh, stuartfarms.com life so we don't do dot com we do dot life so uh, stewardfarms.life uh, you find us on instagram same thing stewardfarms.life and and also on youtube stewardfarms.life uh we we put a lot of uh we do a lot of vlogging uh we uh try to share uh, as much of our journey uh as we as we can in between how crazy things are so you know i do a lot of interviews with uh, medical patients as well in the cannabis field. So you can uh, check me out at tannerstuart.life uh, on Instagram and Facebook. And also uh, you can uh, find us on LinkedIn as well. And uh, yeah, anybody who follows us, we, uh, we really appreciate it. So uh, again, I'm, I'm Dane Howard of uh, Vertica Farms. You can find us at Vertica Farms OK on we're just getting that one up and running, so there's not a whole lot of content there. But you can find out more about our uh, our dispensaries located in Oklahoma City, 
and uh, Edmund at uh, vertica.ok on uh, Instagram and vertica uh, there as well. So uh, you can find our product from the farm there. So come by, check it out, uh, and let us know what you think. Uh, I'm Dylan. Yeah, thanks with again, Steve, Farms. and a great oh, job sorry. of podium. Oh. Go ahead, Dylan. Uh, yeah, I'm Dylan with Miwasan Farms. Um, you can find me on Instagram, Miwasan Farms, and also miwasanfarms.com. Just redirects to my YouTube channel, which I should probably update more. Um, but yeah, thanks again for having me, Steve. Always learn a lot on these panels. <laughs> awesome. Thanks. Yeah. Great event. Uh, so I'm Lane Keys and uh, with Habitat Life. So similar to Tanner, our uh, website is habitat.life. And then our social media accounts, Instagram and Twitter are the same thing, habitat.life. You can uh, find the company and the, what we're up to there. So if you want to follow me personally, I got the chief cultivator Instagram as well. And then our products. So you can uh, find our products at uh, Shelter Market. So if you Google Shelter Market, you'll be able to find uh, Habitat products with them. And uh, in the dispensaries in BC, Alberta, Saskatchewan, and Manitoba as well, you'll have to probably look around to see which ones are carrying us. I know we've been selling out uh, quickly in a lot of areas, but I hope uh, you can get some hands on your hands on some of our uh, deep water culture aquaponics uh, chronic that we've been doing over at Habitat. Awesome. What about you, Marty? Oh yeah, so you can find me uh, at AP Meds on YouTube, Instagram, Patreon, uh, most of the socials um, in the aquaponic cannabis growers group uh, that we mentioned numerous times, of course, on the Growing Fishes podcast. Uh, so yeah, big shout out to all of our sponsors and all of the guests here on this panel, and most of all, Steve, putting all this together. Nice little golf clap for you there, buddy. Um, it it's just been been great. I haven't unfortunately I haven't been able to be here for for quite all of it, and uh, I'm definitely going to be watching it back over on uh, some of the ones we missed. But just appreciate the turnout and. Um, just shows what a strong community we have with aquaponics. Uh, you know, kind of like uh, what Tanner was saying about the, the religion aspect of it. Um, you know, when, once you're in, you're in and kind of taken care of in, in a lot of aspects. So uh, I really appreciate that about all you guys showing up and sharing your information. And um, yeah, big thanks to all of you and Steve. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Thanks a bunch, everybody, and, and Steve, especially. All the love and information has been uh, has been great. So, uh, one second, I gotta break up my dog. So, um, <laughs> uh, thanks everybody for taking the time to come out to the conference. I really appreciate it. Uh, I'm Steve from Potent Ponics. You can find out more information about me at potentponics.com. Uh, you can find my class at apmjclass.com. If you want to take a long format class, Marty and I have been putting a ton of effort into uh, kind of reformatting that class into a much longer course than it originally was. So it's going to be a lot of fun. 
uh, on that. And then um, uh, please check it out if you really enjoy this cut type of content. Um, we finally have a merch store up that helps pay for the server and the website and all the stuff. Um, so uh, that's can be found here in the description. We have all kinds of cool aquaponic can and aquaponic cannabis uh, t-shirts and hoodies. Uh, it just helps uh, keep the lights on as far as the project and being self-sustaining. So uh, if you enjoyed it, uh, check that out. And uh, we have links to all the different um, uh, speakers all weekend. Special thanks to uh, my um, uh, Angela Tenenbrock, um, uh, Roger Loper, uh, Matthew Gates, uh, Brian Flipowicz, uh, Breeder Steve, uh, Chris Trump, um, Dr. Wilson Leonard, uh, Josh and Kelly from Dragonfly Earth Medicine, uh, Wade Laughter, uh, Joe Pate, uh, Josh Rutherford, uh, Marty Waddell, um, Wendy Kornberg, uh, Scotty Reel, uh, Dinesh, uh, Marty, uh, Brendan Strath, um, Leanne Keyes, uh, Murray Hollum, uh, and, and everybody here on, the, on this panel. Uh, I really appreciate you guys. Uh, thanks everybody for, for coming out and being part of this wonderful conference. Uh, also shout out to Mammoth P Microbes, Spectrum King LED, um, realgrowers.com, uh, uh, Potent Ponics, uh, Optic Foliar, uh, Foop Organic Biosciences, and True Aquaponics Store uh, for uh, uh, donating items and uh, donating things for us to give out to the, the podcast and, and to the conference. So really appreciate it. And um, uh, we hope to uh, see you guys again soon. Uh, again, thanks everybody. Um, we will keep this up. I will be breaking them down into individual videos, but I will leave them up in their current form until that's completed. Uh, so I just think it'll make it easier for people to find them and find the information they're interested in. So uh, thanks everybody for watching and uh, I really appreciate it. And we'll catch you guys uh, Thursday with the podcast normal time uh, right here on the Pot Potent Ponics YouTube channel. Um, you can always find great aquaponic cannabis information on the Growing With Fishes podcast, uh, which is uh, uh, available on your favorite podcast app or on YouTube. Thanks a lot for watching and uh, we'll see you guys again soon. Peace.